On this week's bumper episode of the Big Footy Podcast, we talk about the breaking news out of Asada. Today, Asada issued 34 show cause notices to Essendon Football Club past and present players. We talk about Runnergate and the implications of having runners on the field. And Prosecutor shows us levels of cynicism unseen in a long time. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very big episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Tonight, there's a lot of big news happening, and I've got just the crew to discuss it with you all. I've got Messenger here from the Hawthorne board. Good evening, one and all. I have Cookson here from the St Kilda board. I cannot wait for my bedtime story. And special guest on tonight, uh, the prosecutor returns from the Essendon board. Just another day in paradise, boys. Mm-hmm. So it is. It is a. There's a lot to talk about, so I want to get straight into it before Messenger has to uh, go off and attend to family duties again. Normally, normally we would start the show with uh, with a highlights reel from uh, last weekend from the guys, but uh, due to the news that's coming out today, we're going to get straight into the show call, uh, the show cause notice uh, issued this afternoon. Uh, which came up on the Herald Sun website and shortly after that on the Age website. And we're being told uh, that 34 players have been issued show cause notices. Uh, the Essendon... Oh, they said 40. Essendon wins. Take that, Fromers. <laughs> the Essendon Football Club uh, <laughs> did issue a statement earlier today saying that uh, there would probably be no show cause notices issued, that they saw no reason for it. But... Uh, at uh, 20 past, uh, 27 past 7 tonight, they issued a statement uh, after the show cause notices were issued saying that uh, Essendon cannot comment uh, any on any matter relating to its players in the Essendon uh, and the Asada investigation. The club will continue to act in the best interests of its players and respect the integrity and confidentiality of this process. Essendon Chairman I mean, Paul Little will address the media cop. tomorrow afternoon. Prosecutor, you've got something to get off your chest. Yeah, fair cop. I mean, come on. It's... They made those comments eight hours ago. It's not like they things change between then. You know, I mean, a lot of water has passed under the bridge in those eight fucking hours. There, there has been a lot of talk from Essendon, though, of late, that was expressing oh, yeah. their opinion no. that there would be no show, show I, calls notices, that there was no reason for it. Yeah. I'm trying to um, make sure that my cynicism really is coming through to the floor. Um, might be overdoing it, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know why the hell that statement was issued this morning. That was just stupid. Everyone and their dog knew they were coming. Um, now, but, now, I mean... Go ahead, Mess. Sorry. Now, my understanding is this is not about AOD 9604. This is about thymus and beta. And yeah, well, this is... I mean, us, um, us supporters, I guess, can claim that as a mini-win. No AOD prosecution. But, um, you know... I don't know, that's a sideshow, it always was. So we got 34 players up on what appears to be um, suspicion of taking Thymos and Beta 4, which is, well, I mean, if they can prove it, it's much more clear-cut. Good news and, for the And it's to you, man. Yeah. I was going to say, good yeah, news Yeah, I mean... So I guess the, the 
good news, if you can get any good news out of it, is that Fire Morrison's going to be... Essendon will have a easier time arguing oh, within whatever the framework is for guilt in these things that Fire Morrison wasn't taken. But the flip side to that is if they can't success- successfully do that, then, well, they're screwed. This, so, I mean, This yeah, is going to be where their lack of documentation could... Uh really hurt them if they've had players admit to taking it. Um, if they do have that lack of documentation that's been expressed earlier in the like the Swatoski report and other things, then that, that that's going to hurt them pretty badly in coming weeks, you'd imagine. And certainly what they're saying... Just to, throw it out, just to throw it out there, if they've only admitted to taking Fimosin and have not listed a variant, is not the burden of proof still on... Um, the prosecution to prove that it's uh, that it was Fimos and Beta taken? It depends on the other source information they've got. If they've got it from uh, Charters and Alavi and all those guys that were involved and we, you know, there's reason to believe that they do then um, if, they, if they can track the supply chain then Essendon have to produce question... documentation to say that it's not that particular Thymos. And... I guess the question then becomes um just how, oh, just how circumstantial what they have is, and whether it can be um, robust enough to be passed as um, acceptable evidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the question. That's what it boils down to, I guess. According, yeah, according to the... Asada enough to conclusively say, yeah, we this was taken. According to the because again, uh... come back to that. I mean, it's every man. When I say every man, a dog knew these were coming. It, I mean. Most logical people would assume that it was speed of four taken, but you know, it's another step to prove that beyond, not not beyond reasonable doubt, but between that and the balance of probabilities, whatever it is. Well, see, reasonable doubt isn't a consideration either for Asada. But then again, it has to be above beyond the balance of probability. So, what? It, who even knows what the hell that um that standard of proof is? I mean, what the hell's between that and reasonable doubt? Ness, you were going to say something? Um, I guess the question is, is there a physiologic argument for using and alpha in professional athletes? Because if you can't identify a, <clears throat> pardon me, a reasonable use for the non-band thymosine, then it is going to stand to reason that you've probably given them the band thymosine. Um, but again, I mean, as Wookie said, I mean, Somebody is obviously given the more information than, than what they gleaned from the players and the club directly. So, so, and I understand that all of these show cause notices were signed off on by this judge. It was appointed by uh, the government to oversee the entire Asada process uh, after uh, Aurora Andruska's departure. So, it's already been assessed that there is, at the very least, a case to be answered. And and it's got through perhaps an extra hurdle than it might have otherwise, um, uh, say six months ago. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing though is that um, Gerard Waitley was saying on AFL three hundred and sixty that they had uh, was it thirty eight players who had signed consent forms that featured Fimosin on it. So from thirty eight, uh, the well, they probably uh, also. 
they've probably also got some delist. There might be some delisted players, and and it's I guess it's a question of whether they've issued notices to people who've already retired. Um, it says I the think the 34 includes um, current and former Essendon players. So Reimers, okay, so, but that, that could be players that are playing at other clubs, like Monfries. Yeah, and um, Cramery. Yeah, and, yeah, but Showport's notices would still go to all the players involved at the time, even if they're not on the list. Yeah, we're just trying to work well, out why it went from 38 to 34. 34. I mean, so, there might have been people. There was talk that David Zarakis didn't participate because he's scared of needles, uh, which was, was too old. I mean, there are going to be people who are, are not caught up in this spot for, for whatever reason. Um, Waitley also mentioned that there were 11 people who admitted to Thomson News in the interview. So it's a question of so whether... So whether that comes back to whether they were going to use their dosage or not, uh, as in whether they were going to use it eventually and didn't by the time the program was shut down, I mean... Or they've just said they don't know, which is probably more likely. Mm. Mm. And then there's the consent forms. If the consent forms had everything like it's supposed to have that they were they were taking, then it would say it would say something like that. The other question is it's what? Yes, yeah, Farmerson. The other question Land. is whether Dank comes out of the woodwork to uh, to say anything about any of it. Did he answer his show his show cause notice? No. No, he's uh, he's taking it to court apparently. So um. So believe... Apparently, the um, ADRVP was meeting today. Yeah, and once they issue that, that go uh, that goes to the AFL. So, um, interesting. They've got ten days to respond, Essendon, Essendon players, um, who are being represented on mass by one uh, by one lawyer, Tony Hargraves, and two members that's, that's of, the five AFL, of the Isn't AFL. Of the AFL. Isn't it a five-man team? Well, the the Essendon footballers are being represented en masse by solicitor Tony Hargraves and two members of the AFL Players Association Legal Council. Um, Whether they have assistance from others or not, I don't know. But uh, they have 10 days to respond before the evidence is passed from ASADA to the ADRV. And then uh, they they review that and then it goes to the AFL from there. The AFL pretty... Apparently, Mark Stevens on Channel 7 News said um, Essendon Insiders were saying that they'd got an extension to 30 days. No, there's no way that happened. No, they can get extensions. There's no way that happened tonight, though. Well, that's what that's what I'm just saying what Stevens said, so... Yeah, well, I've bad as much faith in Stevens as I have in Stephen Dank, so... <laughs> There is no way is that this is, came is, out at 6 o'clock tonight and they got a 30-day, a 20-day extension on this. Now, Wookie, is it, his, is it his sloppy reporting or his lazy eye that gives you pause for thought? Uh, I think it's just the fact he's on Channel 7 that bothers me. <laughs> That's a good point. Boy. Um, Look, uh, Tim Watson is quoted in The Age... Uh, no surprise, Tim Watson comes out for this. And uh, the players, having received show cause notices, are in shock. Uh, Watson also indicated that legal action will be taken by the club. Surprise, surprise. Um, Watson said he had no idea how the players were going to put the notices behind them and play on the weekend. Price, is this going to affect the rest of their season? Well, I think we can give the uh, legal 
happening behind Messenger there at the moment. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Asada's trying to issue a 35th notice just quietly. (laughs) You get in the Finergan out and putting it up, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, oh, look, you'd you'd hope not, but who knows, to be honest. Uh, It's about that sort of time where people like to say the, uh, the now annual lesson and slide likes to take place. I mean, last year we fell off a cliff in about round 17. So with Watson out, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, hopefully we can show some resilience and keep on going. We, I mean, we must be getting used to this crap by now. But um, go ahead, Mess. Sorry, with, with, uh, I mean, we talk about it for this week, but if we're talking about legal action and we're talking about courts and injunctions and all sorts of things... Uh, this could stretch on for a year and a half. I mean, you, this this can be hanging over this guy's head for the rest of this season, perhaps all of next season. And, and I mean, this becomes a just a this it becomes, becomes a, a complete thing. mess. I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess the alternative is to be rubbed out for two years. But and I can understand why these guys are uh, are going to take this route because I mean, many of them would be very literally. Uh, fighting for their football careers, but but um, this could be ruinous, completely ruinous for the rest of the football club for a very very long time. No doubt. I mean, is there some Absolutely. is there some sense that is there some sense that you say you know what? Let's do it. Let's get it done. Let's whatever penalty there is, let's get it sorted, because really at the end of all of this could still be two year bans. In which you're talking about the entire generation of players. But I mean, the question is, do you keep fighting for this? And I mean, if you think you're innocent, you keep going and doing it. I mean, worst case, you get a couple of years down the track, uh, a few players get banned and let's say a few move on in that time. The results on the list and the club would be disastrous. But I mean not as apocalyptic as they would be if we did it now and we had about 30-odd players rubbed out all at once for two years. So, I mean, I understand the sentiment of just wanting to get it over with, but, I mean, I don't think that's... There could be additional punishments for the AFL. But this is the the case... This is the case for the sort of the noble fight that we believe we're innocent, we're going to fight... What if you know you've done something wrong? Like, you know, look, they gave us something and we're pretty sure... I mean, the, the Olympic athletes who follow this are just apparently amazed that Essendon have this attitude. I mean, if this, again, was a, an Olympic situation, it'd be far more clear-cut. They'd be gone. And so if it's a noble point, you say, oh, well, we know we didn't do anything wrong and we're going to fight this. But if it's really saying, well, we're going to use every legal... Because the Olympics are generally... they. Um their, what do you call it, um, positive test-based result, which, I mean, Ahmed Saad was the example of what would happen. Not necessarily, but but if if you know you're doing, if, if you know you've done something wrong, or you think you've probably done something wrong, and you're really just using a legal argument to try and stretch it out and see if you can slide through a loophole, I mean, is that is that helpful? Is that helpful in the long term? Because the AFL, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, but... The, but for the pretense for that is that they actually think they have done something wrong. Now, given that all that's been put forth and all that sort of stuff and that the players obviously had this trust in what they were doing and belief that everything was above board, do you feel like they... Do you reckon they would feel like they've done something wrong? Probably not. I would 
Well, but they say, would feel for, they've been for wrong. For instance, yeah, the club, like the club, took its whack last year with the um, finals and all that sort of stuff. That's an example of just you know taking it, moving on. The players, however, they feel like that they'd feel like they're innocent in all this. I guess in the in the grand scheme of things, and that I guess they're victims in this. I I don't think they'd be yeah, but... wanting to admit anytime soon because I don't think they do feel guilty. Think a so, lot of so people... they're victims in the sense that, but if they're victims in the sense that, oh, well, we were given something that's probably not kosher, and and we weren't told or we didn't know or we were led astray, that's a very different argument to saying, look, we weren't given anything that was banned. That that's a very different argument because one argument is, well, we haven't done anything wrong. The other argument is, it's not our fault. We've done something wrong, but it's not really our fault. And that is the argument that doesn't wash in this environment. Yeah. And so, yeah, no doubt. But I mean, at the same time, what do they have at this stage to show that they have taken something that's untoward besides... Well, we, don't, um, we don't know. Besides the circumstantial evidence. And that's the question. Is in, So, I mean, I don't think players are going to assume they're guilty when they can't even be shown that they definitely have taken this. Because, I mean, look, I, I'll just look at the... Um, I mean, look at the interview process where, as Jared Waitley said, 11 players have said that they've taken some form of phimosin and what the, shall we assume, the other 27 don't know what they've taken. Hmm. So I don't think they will harbour any feelings that they have done something wrong because I think they just clearly don't know. Would you think, though, is there a chance, provided, say, some things happen and... The Essendon players felt that they got wronged by the Essendon club. Would they sue the football club? Do you think that's a risk? Potentially, yeah. Potentially. That's always been a risk. And no doubt if they do get infracted and um, all their appeals are exhausted and they get banned for two years, of course they'll go after the club. I mean, their lawyers, would that would be the first thing they'd say, is that go after the club for lost lost income and all that sort of shit. So, I mean, yeah, I mean... There is a lot of dangers involved in this, which includes um, players and even officials, potentially. Um, like in the example of Dean Robinson going after the club to get reimbursed. So, um, yeah, I mean, couple that with legal fees, um, potential fines or anything else that comes our way. And, yeah, it's it could be a, it could be apocalyptic for the club. Does this, does this change... Does this change things... For James Hurd's relationship with Essendon, because I think there was this James Hurd has been suspended for procedural irregularities. I think was is fair to say, but there was always this feeling that no, it wouldn't come to the point where Asada would step in and issue show cord noses or infract the players. Now that this has occurred and there is a process to go through of an indefinite time period. I mean, it could be it could be this year, it could be in next year, or whatever. When he arrives back at the club later this year, is is his standing even slipping even further than it has already? Certainly externally he has looked at much differently, but internally at Essendon, has he lost some of that, some luster? Well, I mean, the, the thing with that is that um, I don't think today's changed much in the grand scheme of things. I mean, you'll have your Essendon supporters such as myself who think he shouldn't come back. But at the same time, those who think he should come back are still clinging to that and celebrating the fact that he will be back. And I think it's—I think I saw a post by the Jet today saying 73 days or something like that. So today changes nothing. 
the big kicker will be if infraction notices are issued to players and or himself. If an infraction notice is issued, then he's gone. I, I good. dare say he'd be gone. But at this stage in the process, I don't think that changes. I think it's infractions or nothing in that regard. So he could However, be somebody who was... Disregarding that, I still maintain that he shouldn't be coming back anyway, but yeah. I mean, I mean my, my view is that he's, he's if, if not complicit in it, then, then certainly negligent in not monitor, monitoring it properly, and he is responsible in some way, shape or form for these guys being in the mess that they're in. And for him to be able to come back and say, okay, boys, I'm back, I'm refreshed. France was terrific. Let's play some football. I mean, it, it seems to me to be quite incongruous. So, hmm. Just uh, Matthew Lloyd has would... written the season off, if you're wondering. Comments in the age. <laughs> On, yeah. From 3AW, well, the season's over and another season has been ruined by this. Matt, uh, Lloyd said he had a sick feeling in the stomach when he heard that the show caused notices had been issued. My understanding is that today the players would have received phone calls individually from Asada to let them know that a notice would be coming. So Apparently they got text messages. <laughs> they got ah, text messages. Smoke to, signals. Um, Telling them to box. contact us up. So. The modern age, hey? <laughs> it's the warning methods. Send text everything. I'm so. sorry, baby. It's not working out. <laughs> the AFL had no comment today either if you're wondering I am however under specific instructions to talk about Runnergate yes. uh, Chief has uh, put the hard word on me and insisted that uh, we discuss what is perhaps the greatest incidence of a robbery since uh, Ronnie Biggs and his train and uh, I think it's just you know, personally a disgrace, and uh, Nigel Lappin should be taken out and shot. But um, I might be biased here because, um, you know, it would, it would have been the, you know, and that and umpires not paying free kicks that were definitely there. That happened all weekend. Yeah, but not, not with quite the dramatic effect that <laughs> happened on Friday night. You don't, they, Geelong got gifted a goal mm. from the centre square. They got Carlton got robbed of a definite free kick in the goal square in the dying minute. Like, I mean, literally the dying minute. And what the hell is Brisbane's runner doing? You mean Geelong? Whatever, yeah, Geelong's, Geelong's runner. runner. Well, what the, what the hell is he doing? Premiership player. Yeah. He was, he was blocking space. More Australian medal after that effort. He probably got votes in the freaking Brownlow <laughs> for that run. But... Uh, Here's my question. The, all, all, the result aside, do we need runners anymore? No. Yeah. Because they rotate yeah. on and off a lot. So. Well, we're, 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 well past, we're well past the days where John Barnes used to block space for Sheedy. Oh, really? In, oh, you, he used to he used to fill a gap. He, he'd run out there, he'd stand in the bloody defensive 50 and kick outs. And he was a cheeky sod, John Barnes, when he was running. But... He was six oh, foot I mean, seven, uh, though. You couldn't miss him. No, he <laughs> wasn't dressed right. in pink. Mind you, Nigel Lappin wearing bright pink around the pack on freaking Friday night. Yes, we call it the old dark navy rule, the pink tops, because <laughs> after the the most recent uh, atrocity last year where 
Hawthorne runners disguise themselves as Carlton players. No, Hawthorne's doctors were out on the ground wearing friggin' brown. Brown. Wearing brown, and a Carlton player kicked to them. So who's the idiot? Yeah, well, it's not like we don't wear you know dark colours or anything. You know, like <laughs> I think that was. Don't I don't actually think brown. they were in brown. I think they were in blue. No, they wear brown. No, <laughs> whatever. They have yellow they trim wear... anyway. They wear navy brown with a CFC. Navy brown. <laughs> navy brown. So, look, I think they still they still need runners out there, and they only have one. And there are rules about how they can be used, and I think they're much less uh, intrusive than they used to be. I mean, how often do you actually notice the runners out there these days? Well, Quite recently, it's been a, there's been a fair few complaints about runners this year. Um, I think Frio and Brisbane's runners were uh, uh, both uh, commented on after their press conference a couple of months back. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think there's been... Runners have been more and more uh, obtrusive this year. Yeah, because I think there's been a couple of... Free, like, at least, I think, uh, I might count around five to eight free kicks paid against my club, St Kilda, for, running, for runner infringements. So yeah. So your runners are dickhead then? No, oh, there's more. There's well, some of them have been dickheads. The other have been like kind of plainly bad luck, as the ball's been kicked towards them when they're running off the ground. Does it matter if you're runner? There's a difference between a runner who say like GWS have Simon Cadditch, who's a Test cricketer, and then other clubs have runners who are triple premiership playing all Australians. Is there a, there's a difference in how effective they could be in terms of nefarious behaviour, isn't there, surely? I, th- I think there's a difference between running off the bench with a message from the coach to a player and then going back to the bench and or running off the bench to uh, just hang around. And that's what runners are doing at the moment. They are literally running off the bench to deliver coaching. Lappin didn't deliver a message to a player and run back. He he was around the pack. Yeah, he's and kept kept around the pack. I'm just saying. I think that's. I don't think that's the rule. I think that's the exception. Just saying. It does seem to be happening a lot this year with with runners from several clubs. Where it's just because it's topical, though. Anyway, I don't. I don't want. I didn't want to go on too much about it, but, you know, I had to bring it up. Yep, I've got some the comments that I'm yes. playing too. Yeah, go well, because on the last couple of minutes in the Friday night game, Bruce said something that was really correct, which is surprising considering Bruce, but it was like the last minute or so he was like a rugby match. Mm. It's like ball-ups are taking longer. They're not playing free kicks, and holding the ball rule is quite Gold, literally yeah. random. Yeah. No, I, I think it's appalling that the standard of umpiring changes from the start of the game to the end of the game, and I think it's appalling that it changes from a Friday night to a Sunday as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's like they experiment on a Friday to see what they can get away with for the rest of the week, and I, I think that's that's just wrong. There's no consistency there. If you can't even get consistency right in the single game, let alone the whole weekend, there's something wrong with the umpiring. It is a rule book full of subjective interpretations interpreted by three different people on the same ground at once. Yeah. We have this argument every single year. Thank you. And it is never going to change. Thank you, your neutralness. 
Well, uh, am I am I wrong? I mean, you know, the you know what what's what what's prior opportunity? What's deliberate? What you know, I mean, it goes what's, on and on. They're, what's a natural all arc? Subjective. There's no yeah, more prior opportunity anymore, are... though. Well, it's, it's, it's out of bounds on the full. Well, we know that's that. right, but. But it's, it's consistency. Anyone who watched the umpiring in the first quarter on Friday night would not have recognised the last 15 minutes of the game on Friday night. Like, there's no... The, the umpire... There's, it's putting the whistle away and changing the entire we, nature of the way the game was umpired before it. And you know what? In April, we were so thrilled that they'd swallowed the whistle. Yeah, but they, oh, were, doing, they, they were doing that for whole... Intrusive. They were doing that you know, for whole it, games, though, Messenger. Like... They weren't just doing it for the last quarter or when the game gets close. The the, the umpires are choking. It's, I, I, mean, I would even. You think the umpires are choking? I think the umpires are choking. I think the umpires are chickening out in the last quarter when the games are close. When the game's on the line, the umpires are just going fuck it. I'm not going to be responsible for this. Because there should have been yeah. Well, the that. act of omission is as bad as, as the act of of making a bad call. But, I mean, a bad call can still be a non-call. Mm. So they're not, you know, I mean, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Yes, again, thank you, your neutralness. <laughs> well, you know, we don't all have to jump on the carton. Oh, carton sorry. Not all of us are, like, getting the benefit of, like, umpiring decisions and winning everything that, you know, we can get our hands I'm on. Sorry. I missed. I missed the. I missed that time where I bought a Geelong membership. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. I hope if you haven't happened to notice, I, I don't barrack for Geelong or the Swans, so I don't get the rub of the green. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about Sydney. All right. Normally, I would run through the entire last round, uh, but nope. very. Uh, Before we br- do that, we're not. Yes. Well, that's also. What's it? Oh, say congratulations to Darren Glass on a fantastic career. Well, I was going to do. I was going to do. That, I was going to do that near the end, but okay, you can hijack it. Yes, uh, yeah, Darren, Darren Glass did retire today. Oh, and there's oh, his retirement today. I would have been at the front of the uh, the front of the podcast if he had been from Victoria. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's why these are an Eagles podcast. They do their own crap. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> Glass, yeah. Uh, no. He did play 270 so games, mostly in defence, Darren Glass. So, uh, good player. Good man too. Barry. Yep. Uh, took over as captain of West Coast after Judd went to Melbourne and after Ben Cousins uh, <laughs> left. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Misadventures. <laughs> three three <laughs> Eagles club champions. Collected. Th- three times Eagles club champion. Uh, won a premiership, four All-Australians, uh, was All-Australian captain in 2012. So, uh, yeah, probably are going to get into the Hall of Fame uh, relatively soon. Given he's not yeah. controversial, he hasn't done anything wrong, he's not on drugs, you know, unless he gets, you know, unless he kills a prostitute or something in the next couple of years, he'll be fine. <laughs> I'm just saying, yes. like, you, you you look at guys like Ablett and stuff who took years to get into the Hall of Fame uh, because of, uh, not because of anything that happened during his football career. But because of the people who died around him when he was retired. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's like, a bit of a like situation, that. isn't it? So, uh, yes. yeah. 
And a big hello to the coroner. Yeah, hi. <laughs> yeah. All right, so very briefly, uh, where are no, we? You're going to need a good autopsy on this podcast. We're not going to go through every game, but there were some decent games. Obviously, we've uh, talked a little bit about Geelong Carlton already, so we're going to leave that. Uh, GWS and Essendon was an interesting one for me on Saturday night. Uh, GWS were quite competitive. Uh, Essendon... Uh, Won that by 15 points in the end. Pross, how was that game for you? Uh, I mean, we won. Danaher did really well. That's about all I can take out of that game, to be honest. Had a I, few I would... mates from the Western board over sitting on the couch, a um, few beers, and uh, fair to say it wasn't the most entertaining game, so we made our own fun. What? Oh, drinking game? <laughs> We actually were preparing that. By the end of it, what we were doing, we were doing the Bomber Thompson drinking game. Every time at his press conference, he said, mm, after a response, he was happy with the, uh, he took a drink. Very lethal. And I think there were a lot of, um, oh, sorry, a lot, a lot of uh, big wins on the weekend. Not a lot of close games, which um, is a little bit annoying. Geelong Cart were five points. Bulldogs and Brisbane was a poor game to watch. Um, but but I watched it, and you know why I watched it? Because your wife I'm, I'm you TV. Why I it. Because uh, you're a Jonathan Brown no. fan. No, no because stuff. I've sworn off. I've sworn off Brian Taylor. I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it anymore. And I like to watch my football in actual HD with people who know what they're doing. And I cannot bear Brian Taylor. So. No, so no, Saturday Night Channel 7. <laughs> Sandy Roberts, Al- Alistair so, Lynch. Sandy Roberts and Alistair Lynch, and you know what? I, I appreciated it. I, I think as someone so, who occasionally gets to watch like the Friday night coverage, there is a noticeable difference in the quality of the coverage uh, between Seven and Fox. Just the detail you get. Um, as much as I hate I'm David s- King, um, you can't fault the analysis, like, the, detail, oh, oh, the detail involved. I'd like the, it a lot more get... to have John Ruff as their bloody man in the war room, whatever the hell they want to call it, or the, um, the news desk. The, 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 gap between the, the gap between the quality of coverage between Fox and Seven is so large you could steer the Battlestar Galactica through it. It's massive. Yeah. Even if that wasn't just a model on a CGI TV show thing. Anyway, um, Fremantle are just sneaking up now, aren't they? They, and they've got they nice win on Sunday. Demolish Adelaide. So. A really, really easy draw coming up. And they're just going to start making their way into the top four and cement a spot. And uh, North uh, basically continuing on, getting up over a hapless Richmond. Funniest let, game let, of the weekend. Really? Fun, <laughs> I didn't I mean, watch oh, it. Hilarious. North it absolutely... Then Richmond choked. The North Melbourne managed to win, and you had Kevin Bartlett melting down at the umpires throughout the entire game. Didn't didn't it's news, but, Kev? Didn't they have? The, um, wasn't it like press red for Kev or something on the weekend yes, as well? Oh, that red. would. And he had Mal Brown and Dale Waitman in the room. <laughs> in, 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 in. Now, the thing about that that third quarter, Richmond absolutely disintegrated in front of your very eyes. It was a sight to behold, an absolute yeah. sight to behold. Like, the best part, though, was at half-time. There was 
for the neutral, there was no way you were going to lose. Either Richmond, uh, North Melbourne lost in another topsy-turvy way, or Richmond absolutely capitulated and he had the hilarity that's in shoot. <laughs> it, it had, it it had something for It was fantastically voiced. It's... My dinner took lo- lesser to be done than Richmond. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> It's also of note that Hawthorne and Port Adelaide both uh, with big wins on the weekend. Um, then we had Queen's Birthday, which is just... Queen's Birthday was I mean, a washout. 11 goals in... No, a... it was just... No, no. Yeah. Let's not talk about Let's not do it the justice to talk about The Hawthorne's win... I mean, West Coast are really very, very ordinary. Adam Simpson hasn't made it... They haven't made it. He has not made a dent in 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 that team at all. He hasn't done a thing. Jared Ruffhead was good, but I mean, look, it, as wins go, it was pretty much paint by numbers. Um, and Port were very good, uh, beating well Cookson. Sorry, mate, but your team not very good. We hold them off the one and three quarter of a quarter. Thank you very much. I was <laughs> so proud of that effort. Then ten so minutes brave. Brought it away. I, I think. I, so I think we all expected it to go that way. Yes. It was nice to have hope. So, and wasn't it nice? That, and wasn't it nice that Buddy got off that head high contact? Wasn't that nice? Yeah. So the, the favouritism there continues. Because when he because when he hit Nick Malczewski a year ago with almost an identical contact, he got a week. And now with sixty three carryover points, they couldn't find anything wrong with him hitting him in the jaw. I I think that's tremendous, tremendous stuff. That's great. They couldn't find a reason to hit Buddy hit the jaw. All right, we're going to move quickly on. <laughs> we're going to move on to uh, this coming round, and I think without question, match of the round: Sydney Port Adelaide on Saturday afternoon at the SCG. I think a rare Saturday afternoon game at the SCG. It's, uh, it's rare. Quite it's uncommon. The MCG on a Sunday afternoon. That's right. Hmm. I. I know a lot of people are going for Sydney in this, but I'm going to go a bit against the tide and just a little bit with my heart. And, and I hope Port get up in this. I love watching Port play, and they're, they're really good. And no tippet this week. No tippet for the Swans. I think it's a it's it's a big one. It's definitely the biggest game there, and possibly the biggest game the last couple of weeks. Um, it won't mm, be it, it won't be a repeat of Sydney and Geelong. Uh, Port, I think, are too good for that at the moment. But yeah, um, be Port. It's just gone from strength to strength, and so is Sydney. But Sydney are about key players. So they're the people's team, Port. The people's team. They they are. They, yeah. Given where they were last year, I mean, they've come from a massive underdog position to, uh, and and they've done it in the right way. They haven't, you know, they haven't rubbed anyone the wrong way doing it. They've pretty much. No. They've they've done what had to be done and. They haven't stolen coaching. That you know, they haven't stolen people from other clubs. They've just not like my miserable bunch have been trying to do and are failing. But uh, that's another story. That's Speaking right. of which, Friday night messenger at the MCG yes, for the first time in a long time. Carlton play Hawthorne. Oh, it's our annual. It's our annual Carlton Hawthorne match. We only play once a year. And the Hawthorne fans, this week we've been tempting fate on Twitter. On Twitter. On with the hashtag, the last time Carlton beat Hawthorne, and so there's been we've been going back in history to work out all the things that have happened since the last time Carlton beat Hawthorne. Six Italian prime ministers, uh, the iPhone, all sorts of good stuff. So it's, have a look it's, at the it's hashtag. Been a while. Contribute, 
And Carlton. Well, we are tempted. Yeah, 2005 for the record. Yeah, and Carlton are, uh, I think most of the games since then have been at uh, Eddie Hat as well. But um, Carlton are celebrating their 150th this weekend for some reason. Happy birthday to so, uh, <laughs> cheating Sids. Why, why you would do that against Hawthorne is quite beyond me, but uh, I think it's because it's relatively close to the date of the establishment of the club, although uh, there's some conjecture that they've got the date right. But, um, yeah, and the rest, of the, ga- the rest of the games are not that... Really exciting. Um, <laughs> Richmond and Fremantle at the MCG on Saturday afternoon. Freo. That, that just sounds it. like one of those games where Richmond will just pull their shit out for one week and might get up. Mm. Well, Tyron Vickery yeah. suspended, so that can only be a good thing. He's what? He's suspended? <laughs> yeah, for two weeks. Richmond are trying to appeal for four. I'm, I tell you, I'm looking forward... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, West Coast and Gold Coast on the weekend. Uh, that's at Patterson Stadium. Fair call to say Gold Coast will win because the midfield's just... That midfield's just so much more superior than West Coast. Oi, pen-flicking boy, or whoever it is in the background. That's, it's not me, I swear. <laughs> it's a watch, thank you very much. Watch. <laughs> uh, yeah, so West Coast and Gold Coast. I, I think Gold Coast can get up on that. Yes, I agree. It might be their last winnable game for a while, so... Yeah, Brisbane Lions versus GWS. Brisbane to go three in a row at the Gabber, I suspect. Well, three in a row. Oh, They're they're favourites, but... Oh, gee, they could lose that. Couldn't they? They could lose that. Oh, they could. I mean, GWS have been playing some good footy lately, but... uh... Brisbane, I think, uh, have been playing some good footy as well, and they might have started to find their feet. So, yeah, they they had a great win against Carlton the other day. That yeah, was great, and they won they on the Carlton. weekend as well, didn't they? And they beat Carlton, lost up there. So yes, they yeah. beat Carlton. That's great. Shut yeah, up, yeah, shut I up, messenger. I mean, it's a good sign of form if you're being Carlton, because I mean, Carlton, uh, you know, I mean, they're real benchmarks of the competition, Carlton. Oh, if you ever want to know if you can beat a four and seven team, you try and beat Carlton. Do you want to go down this road, prosecutor? Really? <laughs> I, I tell you yeah. what. I, I, aren't aren't we just, abs- aren't we just absolutely it. screaming for Carlton to beat Hawthorne now? After all, I've just stuck my head out this week, and you just know we're going to get beaten now. And Bryce Gibbs, we're not. Is the ambulance going to be ready for Bryce Gibbs this week? It was two goals last year, messenger. <laughs> two goals. <laughs> Two and a half. <laughs> Just on that game, Wookie, that's yes, in this coming Friday night. Yes, what? What does Nick Graham have to do to get a game? Um, does he need to get um, Mick Mullins on Twitter on uh, Snapchat and get a few screenshots or something? Because it's ridiculous. It's the kneecap Bryce Gibbs. I've, I don't know. I've seen know. I've seen Graham in his last two games now for Northern Blues. He's been pretty much your best on both weeks. He's consistently in your best. He offers so much more than... Uh, Brock McLean can offer you. Yeah, and you I still can't get a gig. I, I, I'm not a huge Brock McLean fan, and I think we would benefit from getting rid of him uh, and playing uh, someone like Nick Graham, but for whatever reason, uh, Malthouse and the selectors continue to choose McLean, probably because of his experience and because he does pull shit out of his ass every now and then. 
But um, I, I think at this stage of the year, when uh, we we need to start looking towards next year, given we're not going to, we'll be lucky, if, you know, if we make finals at all. Um, and that's assuming we win every game from here on, which isn't going to happen. So it's not going to happen for us this year. We should be playing the kids, and Graham should be getting games. That could happen anyway. He touches a couple of goals, probably about oh, six, seven, eight clearances. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, there's no question. There's no question he's playing well. It's just where he fits into the team. Um, How does he man a barbecue? Just... That's an important question. Needs to be asked. What's this? <laughs> How does he man a barbecue? How does he cook a snag? That's how you get into Carlton. Oh, I can tell you the ways to take photos of your snag and send it out to others. That's how you get out of Carlton. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm not going to. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I, look, I, I don't. I don't. I, I would like to see Graham get a game. I think there are others that would like to see Graham get a game. Um, I would personally like to see other other Carlton forwards playing at the moment that could actually kick goals and stuff, but. Carlton have forwards. Well, we've got <laughs> some. If, oddly enough, we've got some Irish guys that are doing okay for the Northern Blues at the moment. So it's. Um, their forwards has good potential. Do you know their names? Uh, Sierra and Burn. You got two Sierra, okay. haven't you? Yeah, Sierra and Sheehan as well, I think. But um, anyway, moving along, Adelaide have got North. Oh, Mold. just before we finish with that one, yes. uh, Ben Ross former Liston medalist and former North Melbourne player, debuting for Hawthorne on Friday night. Promoted from the rookie list, Jed Anderson's uh, on the long-term injury list for the rest of the season, and uh, Ross has been promoted and gets his first Hawthorne game. He's probably going to kick 10 goals against us as well. Yeah, any players on your list who haven't played this year? Uh, Jed Anderson hasn't played. Alex Woodward is yet to debut. And we've got a couple other young guys that haven't played. Caden Brand, he won't play this year. And uh, we haven't seen Sam Grimley, and I don't think we will this season. All righty. Adelaide have North Melbourne on Saturday night at Adelaide Oval. This is a sneaky, interesting game. This is a sneaky, interesting game, I reckon. You reckon? Yeah, two teams who are ultimate Jekyll and Mr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde, or however it goes, so... Literally, who knows what could happen in this game? Well, Adelaide, there's a lot on stake for Adelaide. I mean, if they lose this, they're 5-7, and uh, they will have trouble because they'll then be uh, two games behind the Gold Coast at least. Mm. Let's be honest, this game just comes down to whether Dangerfield and Walker decide they want to show up this week. If they have... If Dangerfield gets a 30-yard touch, a couple of goals, and Walker gets his five, then Adelaide will win. Barring that, though, Adelaide just won't be able to go with North. It'll be a big crowd this weekend as well, I suspect. So oh, yeah. It's a big crowd this weekend these days. Mm. There's no sign of it wearing off at the moment, so... Even though Adelaide's form line hasn't been fantastic, they're still getting big crowds. Um, it might... mm. It's almost here to go at the moment. Mm. Geelong have got St Kilda at uh, Skilled oh. Stadium, I'm sorry to say, Cookson. Oh. Um I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, God. It can't, get any, it can't be any worse than versus Hawthorne. It can't be any worse. Don't, I mean, don't take the kids to Skilled Stadium this weekend. Absolutely not. <laughs> Virtuized children. This is going to be ugly. The, the, the name a game version of this is going to come out in a black plastic wrap. <laughs> it can't be that it's... bad. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean... 
I think we can beat Geelong, provided we drug them before the game with some sleeping drip pills, but yeah, Geelong by 80. What's wrong with good old-fashioned crowbar? Geelong by 80, and that's from the St. Kilda fan here. Yeah, Geelong by 80. He's being, you've been very optimistic, I would have thought. I've been what's optimistic, it? I'm saying, yep, we're going to get it in 10 goals. What's the worst fantastic. thing that could happen? Wasn't there a Melbourne coach that got done by 159 points or something at Skilled Stadium and got fired? It won it won't be, 186. It won't be that bad. Yeah. We're not Melbourne. <laughs> um, well... <laughs> You're the next best. Okay, uh, I would debate that. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, Collingwood have got the Western Bulldogs at one of their rare games at Etihad Stadium. Oh, dear. Surely oh, Collingwood. How come Collingwood... So Collingwood are playing the Bulldogs at Etihad while Essendon are hosting Melbourne at the MCG? It's because this part of some Eddie, stupid Etihad agreement? This, the, yeah. no, no, this is part of Melbourne's MCG agreement, I believe. That they play away games. They yeah. they play most of the because they play Carlton away at at Eddie had at, at at the MCG. I think they play most of their away games in Melbourne at uh, at the MCG. Yeah, I think uh, we're right on that because we always seem to play Carlton at the MCG for or Melbourne at the MCG for some reason. There's uh, for for whatever reason Melbourne get an arseload of games at the MCG, probably more than Collingwood. And Collingwood's deal is tied it? to the AFL's MCG contract, so. Contractually, what does an arse load actually entail? Well, Seven, so, something like 15 or 16 games. But we'll that was a lot of considering that they can't take advantage of anything. As in, when I say that, as in the, the amount of MCG games they get, they get the Queen's birthday as a home game every year. Um, they get their coach paid for by the fines from Essendon. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have it pretty good despite their ineptness. So calling on the Bulldogs, guys, who is going to win this? Calling Colling with both plot. <laughs> and Essendon, Bulldogs. Melbourne, uh, in the twilight oh. slot, the the ever popular twilight slot. This is this could be interesting. Melbourne have shown a bit of pep, bit of life, bit of bit of even bigger. Oh, I think Chris Dawes could could uh, do an impersonation of Peter Hudson this week and uh, <laughs> go bananas. Go bananas. No Joe either. No Joe. Yeah. And uh, no Joe, oh. no hope. Yes, it's... Yeah, I know, but we've got... Um... We've got Brent Stanton and Midfield Brigade that have lungs that compete with Lance Armstrong, so I think we'll be all right. I wouldn't use Lance Armstrong as a comparison for anything, just quietly. Mm. I don't think that's a pretty good example. Uh, Melbourne are a sneaky one. Essendon's form haven't been that good. Melbourne coming off the boil. Mm, probably watch a movie. <laughs> All righty. Just in stuff we haven't discussed, uh, Dane Swan appearing at a McGatto dinner. Seriously, yeah, so <laughs> like, uh, Jimmy Webster's I, back. I find that interesting because they've got Nick Baker and all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, digging around it, and I think um, our good friend uh, Jamie Johnson made the observation that the lawyers must have really um, cut back on the final product of the article. 
Because I don't, for something like this, they really wouldn't have their investigative reporters on it unless there was something else there. Mm. And I mean, Swan said that it was his manager who set it up and Pickering hadn't heard a thing about it. It was the first he heard about it. So he's a liar. Mm. Maybe. So I'd like to admit something. More to that, but I don't think the age was willing to publish it, so... Oh. I have to make a, 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 um, a make a disclosure in, in the case uh, just just for the record. I actually attended a one year old's birthday party at which the drinks were provided by Mick Gatto. Well, I too have drunk from the trough. <laughs> so messenger the gangster. Yes, yes. That's how I roll. That's how I roll. <laughs> Guess what the tagline for this week's podcast is going to be. Uh, the, the, well, oh found. Not news. No. Jimmy Webster's back from suspension. He got suspended across the bye for <laughs> either getting a punch thrown at him or throwing a punch, and nobody actually knows what happened. All and those involved alcohol. So yeah, uh, that's great. Apparently, apparently not involved. Sixteen-year-old girl, though, did it? Yeah, no. Involves some Tasmanian oh, yeah. crap, so it involves some people with two heads or something, or whatever they're doing down in Tasmania. That's not very nice. Some no. of our best members are from Tasmania. Yeah, that's why they've got so many of them. Uh, Nigel Lappin uh, got a $2,000 fine, suspended fine, for his clash with yeah, uh, Mitch Robinson. Let it out. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, fan-fucking-tastic stuff. Chris Judd's back this weekend. So Carlton's hopes and dreams are back. Colin Sylvia's playing his first game so the, for Fremantle, I think. So should, Hawthorne, should the Hawthorne players well wear goggles, then? Why? Wookie? No. For the no, eye catching. <laughs> when was that? It was years ago, but I just thought I'd oh, bring it up. It was yeah, Juddy on yeah. Mitchell, wasn't it? Juddy on, on Campbell Brown. Gouged and he did it on, oh, Brown, yeah, couldn't have been a, he, couldn't have been a nicer person. I don't remember him doing it to me. Oh, he might have done it to Mitchell. He could have done a lot of things. He's a, he's a, he's not a very pleasant player, is he? He's not a very nice man. He's not like Luke Hodge, who's a paragon of virtue. Really, yeah. <laughs> Luke Hodge is a paragon of virtue, but, but Chris Judd, he's, he's, he's a mean man. He, he, he's bitter. Just, just going back to Richmond, uh, apparently at a media conference uh, today, the uh, Richmond coach threatened to beat a journalist up. According to AFL.com.au, at a media conference on Thursday, the Tigers coach threatened the journalist who asked the question uh, with a left hook, albeit in jest, if his line of questioning continued. Apparently, he oh, asked yeah, if he's... they were soft. Yes, <laughs> no, I saw that. Because uh, um, the journalist um, from 10 years, I can't think of his name, um, he asked a question like, oh, I'm not saying they're soft, but do your players lack the will to go get in the contest or whatever it was? And then Hardwick was like, you know, oh, that's, you know, that's a disgraceful question, whatever. I could say that your journalism is soft, and that you, which means your journalism is horrible. Or something like that, and then apparently after the press conference, he said, "You know, if he asked, he, he could have got, he should have got hooked." Yeah, to a left hook. Presser for asking that. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> know, what? so um, all's well down at Punt Road. 
there's nothing more appropriate than a football journalist questioning the courage of, of, of professional athletes. I think that's terrific. Was it, it wasn't that guy that Alistair Clarkson called a cockhead, was it? Uh, no, no, it wasn't Matt no, Thompson. That's uh, Matt Thompson. Matt Thompson's too busy plagiarising AAP for his articles. Um... <laughs> Mick Malthouse calls for AFL umpires to act like rugby union referees. <laughs> so expect to do South that. African or French accents or Scots ones. Like, oh, aye, number 10 from Portman, you're a shithead. Or something. <laughs> Right, I'm just looking that last uh, 15 seconds yeah, in search yeah. with Sam. Squirrel gripping, but um, what the hell have I missed? <laughs> Player 39, come here, please. No. Um, well, this is the thing, too. If the players have to behave like that, then the umpires can't be gobbing off at the players, either. Yeah. And a big hello to Razor Ray. Hey, uh, we <laughs> should also mention, uh, Wookie, that it's uh, Mick Walthouse's 700th game, uh, 700th uh, scowling at journalists press conference coming up this Friday night. Well, yes. I'm not look, I'm not a big fan of... I don't of... know what you mean by that. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of uh, coaches treating the media with disdain um i don't think that's i don't think it's appropriate i think the football public deserves better um i think the media pay a lot of money to cover the game and if the coaches and and clubs want to take advantage of that money then they need to just shut up and cop what's coming to them and that goes for malthouse or any other coach i think all these coaches that are getting angry and stuff look if you don't want the fucking money Get out of the game and go coaching the waffle or something. They should so, take a leaf out of Brendan, Brendan Bolton's book. He's so happy. Did you see his press conference? Yeah, because he didn't expect to be coaching. That's why. <laughs> That's why I'm nervous. He's, pro- he's probably been like iodine poisoning Alistair Clarkson or something for the last six months, just slowly in his cookies or something. It's like, here, do you want to coach your team? Here, here's the reigning premiers. Let's chuck it, chuck in the keys to that. Have a crack at that. Yeah. It's a, it's how He's... I imagine Brendan McCartney felt when he got appointed from what Geelong Districts or something. Yeah. From the Geelong District League to uh the Western Bulldogs. It's like, hey, promotion. <laughs> like yes. Thank you very much for uh coming on tonight, guys. It has been a pleasure to have you all on. And uh with cameos from Messenger's Kids. So I'll say good night to Messenger first. Good night. You say good night, Ellie. <laughs> Uh, you determine which one was the kid there. <laughs> and, um, good night, uh, Cookson. And good night, Pross. Thanks for coming on, mate. pleasure. I'll go back to acting like that. <laughs> and every good night from me. I've been the Wookie. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you all on the floor. Take it easy, There's something wrong with the world today I don't know what it is Something's wrong with our eyes We're seeing things in a different way And God knows it ain't His It sure ain't no surprise We're living on the edge